the Sazerac. From the 1850s to the 1870s, the brandy cocktail was America's favourite drink, perhaps nowhere more so than in that greatest of all great drinking cities, New Orleans. The stimulating mixture of brandy, sugar and bitters was the choice du jour for millions of Americans enjoying the dawn of the Gilded Age, a time when newfound wealth, the arrival of the railroads, the spread of industrialization, and a gigantic influx of mostly European immigrants invented, constructed and forged modern America. But in New Orleans, it was an immigrant who arrived half a century earlier that would have the largest impact on the taste of the brandy cocktail. Antoine Amade Peugeot was born on the French Caribbean island of Santo Domingo in 1803 to Dr. Charles Louis Peugeot and his wife Rosalie Martinet. His father, a physician, was the son of French immigrants who had moved to the island to seek their fortune and had settled in the town of Cap Francais. Between the years 1791 and 1804, the island of Santo Domingo experienced some tumultuous times, including an uprising by slaves that led uniquely to the founding of a state free of slavery and run by non-white former captives. The revolution, which culminated in the end of French rule and the birth of Haiti, also led to the departure of the surviving generations of the Pichot family from the island forever. It was during this exodus that the youngest children of the family became separated. Indeed, it wasn't until he reached manhood that Antoine was able to locate his sister in Paris and have her join him in the place that by now had become home, New Orleans. These details were uncovered through the dedicated research of modern cocktail historian Philip Green. However, they do not align well with the commonly accepted version of the story, which has Antoine arriving in New Orleans somewhat earlier and somewhat older than described above, in possession of a secret family formula for bitters. This recipe, when bottled and sold as Peugeot's American Aromatic Bitter Cordial from his pharmacy at 123 Royal Street, now number 437, became very popular among the denizens of New Orleans. Legend states that it would be mixed with brandy and that the brandy was measured out in two-sided egg cups, not so very different in construction to the two-sided jiggers used by the modern bartender, and that the French-speaking natives of New Orleans call these egg cups cocktails. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how the cocktail got its name. Except it probably wasn't. The Coquetés Became Cocktails claim was first published in somewhat more detail in the 1938 book Famous New Orleans Drinks and How to Mix Them by Stanley Clisby Arthur. An enjoyable read, but one that takes certain historical liberties. For many years it has been repeated as fact, but for numerous reasons, the previously mentioned research by Mr Green chief amongst them, one can confidently conclude that particular cocktailian etymology to be most unlikely. What definitely is true, however, is that Antoine Peugeot, to a degree, followed in his father's footsteps and became a man of medicine, when in 1832 he opened a pharmacy. What's more, he certainly created a brand of bitters that bore his family name. It's hard to say exactly when this happened, but certainly by the 1850s we can find newspaper adverts for pharmacies which list Peugeot's American Aromatic Bitter Cordial for sale amongst the other pharmaceutical remedies of the time, like McLean's Blood Purifier and Burnett's Cocaine for the Hair. What also is beyond much doubt is that Peugeot's bitters were mixed into cocktails in the many coffee houses of New Orleans, the locals being too refined to refer to these establishments as saloons. One of the most famed stockists being the Sazerac Coffee House, whose history is complicated and whose location shifted several times, 
but most likely started in 1852 on Royal Street, not so very far from Antoine's pharmacy. At that time, owned or at least backed by one Sewell Taylor, a local businessman who had in the preceding years promoted and sold an imported cognac by the name Sazerac de Forger Fils, the product which gave its name to the new house. Something else we know for sure is that the Sazerac house stopped Peugeot's bitters, an 1857 advert from Peugeot himself telling us as much. But from here on in, the story gets a little hazy. To me, it is beyond question that during the 1850s, the bartenders of the Sazerac coffee house and most likely Antoine Peugeot's pharmacy and countless other joints in New Orleans were stirring, throwing or shaking cognac, sugar and Peugeot's bitters together. There's also a very good chance they were crowning their creations with a citrus twist. And certainly at the Sazerac coffee house, one can comfortably presume that they were using Sazerac de Forge Eiffel's cognac. Were they also adding absinthe, the other essential component to the Sazerac? It's possible, but unlikely. Absinthe had found its way to New Orleans in 1826 and was sold in some quantity just a four-minute walk away at 240 Bourbon Street in the famous establishment that would come to be known as the Old Absinthe House. However, generally speaking, we have to wait until the 1870s until we see absinthe being dashed into the improved cocktail of the time, by which point the Sazerac House had changed ownership now being the property of one Thomas H. Handy, who would also go on to become the sole New Orleans agent for Sazerac de Forge et Fils Cognac, and would also obtain the rights to Pichot's Bitters. Handy's acquisition of the distribution rights for Sazerac de Forge et Fils Cognac was unfortunately timed. Within a few short years, the effects of the phylloxera grape blight in France would begin to be felt, and in America, as everywhere, supplies of cognac would be drastically diminished presumably rendering the distribution of the Sazerac de Forge Fils Cognac somewhat less profitable than Handy had hoped for. At the same time, Handy also made a bad investment in the burgeoning railroad industry, and by 1878, his financial misfortune had meant he was forced to sell the Sazerac House, he had dropped the word coffee from its name in 1871, the Sazerac de Forge Fils Cognac distribution, and the rights to Peixel's Bitters, all to one Vincent Micus. Mike, as it must be said, did not fare much better. He lost the lease of the Sazerac house in March of 1882, and the building was torn down. Mikas then opened a place named the Old Sazerac Bar Room on the other side of Canal Street. Handy, having recovered financially somewhat, rubbed salt in Mikas' wounds by rebuilding the Sazerac house on its old site just six months later. One imagines they were not on each other's Christmas card lists. Mikas exits our story just two years later, when he moved to Bordeaux having sold his coffee house and the rights to Peugeot's bitters to a colleague. It seems undeniable that during the 1870s, the good people of New Orleans were visiting the Sazerac house or the old Sazerac room and ordering a drink comprising Sazerac de Forge Fils Cognac, Peugeot's bitters, sugar and absinthe. That it was chilled with ice, served straight up and had a citrus twist expressed over it. That much seems obvious, as most of the good bars in America would have been serving something similar, the improved brandy cocktails. In New Orleans, they might have even called it a Sazerac brandy cocktail or a Sazerac house brandy cocktail. Indeed, it's very likely that they did. And logic tells us that eventually that name would be abbreviated simply to the Sazerac. Whilst I believe that sequence of events to be both likely and eminently plausible, the historic documents of the time do not wholly back up the theory. It is not until some two decades later when we first see the Sazerac cocktail being written about. And of course, 
a small but significant evolution of the recipe had taken place by then. By the latter part of the 1870s, the severe shortage of cognac in America necessitated innovation, and the popularity of cognac-based drinks soon gave way to those taking American whiskey as their base. In the two decades that followed, whiskey cocktails, old-fashioned whiskey cocktails, and Manhattans filled the void vacated by the brandy cocktail, and the Sazerac House became famed for their excellence in this field. In 1895, a local newspaper stated that Vincent Mirritt, who alongside a man named Billy Wilkinson were the current co-head bartenders and co-owners of the Sazerac House, was to be congratulated upon his reputation as the best mixer of whiskey cocktails in the city of New Orleans, as reported in a local newspaper. That very same year, the two would begin bottling and selling Sazerac House cocktails. A trademark application from five years later states that this was the time when the term Sazerac in relation to a cocktail became commonplace in the United States. However, historian David Wondrich claims that the earliest printed mention of a Sazerac cocktail anyone has so far unearthed dates only to 1899, when a fraternity magazine published a report on the annual convention in New Orleans and mentioned that a good deal was heard about the mysterious article Sazerac cocktail. Both Merritt and Wilkinson were dead by 1905, seemingly before they'd had a chance to leave a written record of their involvement. And of course, piecing the history of a drink together from newspapers, magazines and trademark applications is not ideal, but for now, that's the best we can hope for. To me, the most likely sequence of events sees Merritt and Wilkinson becoming noted for their excellent whiskey cocktails at the Sazerac House, drinks which were descended from the original Sazerac brandy cocktail the bar would have served in the past. Around 1899, they started calling their modern iteration of the drink the Sazerac. Maybe because that was the name of the bar they were serving it in, or perhaps as an acknowledgement of the original Sazerac de Forgefil's cognac cocktails from days gone by. Such was the popularity of their creation that they were able to launch them as a bottled cocktail by 1901. Their employers, partners, the Thomas Handy Company, were selling bottled versions of various cocktails across the nation. The Manhattan, the Martini, the Gin Cocktail, the Vermouth Cocktail, the Brandy Cocktail, and most popular of all, the Sazerac Cocktail, made with rye whiskey. The two died shortly thereafter, but the drink's fame grew and grew in the decades following their passing. So whilst Sazak de Forgefell's cognac either directly or indirectly lent its fine name to the Sazak cocktail, it seems certain that by the time the drink's fame had reached a wider audience that the cognac had been usurped by American whiskey. How rude. However, it is a universally acknowledged truth that pretty much every classic cocktail is better when made with fine cognac. If you don't believe me, track down a copy of Matthias Latell's A Cognac Lover's Guide to Classic Cocktails. And a cognac Sazerac is no exception to this rule. It's delicious, especially if you are fortunate enough to taste one made with the modern bottling of Sazerac de Forge Phil's Cognac. Ever the diplomat, the great Dale de Groff, incorporates both rye whiskey and cognac into his Sazerac, but truth be told, the topic is not one worth getting too upset about. Enjoy your Sazak however you like. Cognac, rye, both. Just make sure you raise your glass in the general direction of New Orleans whilst doing it. In the modern era, Sazak de Forgefell's Cognac and Peychaud's Bitters are both owned by the Sazak company, as is Sazak Rye Whiskey, which they launched in 2005. 
a small amount of which is bottled at the latest incarnation of the Sazerac House, found at 101 Magazine Street, New Orleans. The company also produces an excellent bourbon named for Thomas H. Handy. Notes on mixing the Sazerac. The modern practice seems to be to prepare the drink in a small rocks glass, while another identical glass is being chilled with ice, water and absinthe. The main advantage of doing it this way is to ensure you don't use too much of the potentially overpowering absinthe. Personally, I think this method is kind of fussy and unnecessary. I set my glass chilling in the same manner, but use a mixing jug to blend the liquor, sugars and bitters. I should also add at this point that if I make one for myself, I'll serve it in a cocktail glass because I don't really understand the reasoning for serving it in a rocks glass without rocks, but I digress. <laughs>